Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat, there is so much to talk about today. And I'd, I'm going to hold off on the Trump stuff and the national stuff until the bottom of the hour. There is a story that is just too good if you are paying attention to the absolute clown show that is the Louisiana legislature, and that wonderful Republican supermajority we have. Louisiana lawmakers cut judges' pay and yanked $5 million from a Supreme Court tech upgrade funding due to clerical errors in the budget passed last week. So in other words, maybe, just maybe, it was a bad idea to pass a $45 billion budget in about 25 minutes. A clerical error. We got to pass the bill to know what's in it. We got to pass this spending bill in order to know what the hell we're spending money on and what we've stopped spending money on. The judges are rightfully upset, not so much because of the money. When it comes down to what they were actually cut... It wasn't nearly as bad as it sounds, but still, on principle, the judges are extremely upset over this. The Louisiana legislature accidentally reduced judges' pay and, reduced, and removed $5 million for technology upgrades from a Louisiana Supreme Court fund last week as lawmakers scrambled to pass a state spending plan in the final chaotic moments of their two-month session. This is according to Julio Donahue at the Illuminator. Now, granted, I know the veracity of the source, but just follow me on this because this is at, this is verified in other ways. I just This story, I think, is just the most hilarious portrayal of all of it. House Appropriations Committee Chairman uh, Z Zarang of HOMA said the cutbacks were done by mistake and due to a clerical error made in budget bills he sponsored. The Senate included a set of amendments and two documents that were unknowingly deleted. So his bills screwed up. Ziza Rang's bills screwed up. There were Senate amendments, and those were accidentally deleted. So in other words, and follow me on this, the people who are supposed to represent us in Baton Rouge, who are supposed to be the stewards of the state, have no clue what they passed. No clue what they passed. Our legislators, the people in the House and the people in the Senate, they said, we got to bust the spending cap. And they did. And they have no idea what they busted the spending cap on. The adjustments will cause state and municipal judges to lose a relatively modest amount of money, just $164,825 overall, in supplemental pay to cover travel expenses. Another $5 million that was supposed to go to a court technology fund controlled by the entire state Supreme Court is also headed to an account now mostly under the control of Chief Justice John Wehmer, who, with whom other justices have disagreement on spending. The judge's funding, quote, mistakes, has added tensions between the House and the Senate over the final budget that was passed in a rushed fashion last week. 
Senators didn't get to see the budget documents, which House leaders were holding, until less than an hour before they were asked to approve them on Thursday. Had they gotten the budget bills earlier in the day for review, senators might have been able to adjust the judicial funding. Judges started calling members about the problem immediately, a few minutes after the documents became publicly available online, but it was too late to revise the budget bill before the vote. Now, of course, the article is going to be written to blame the House, but keep in mind, this is a fundamental failure of the House and the Senate. Because our supposed betters in all of this, the people who are the fiscal stewards of the state, decided to bust the spending cap, decided to spend all this money we don't actually have, and pay for all of these projects, by the way, paying for a ton of side projects that were used as bribes for the members in those districts, because all those members have to go and get reelected, or most of those members have to go and get reelected, or go home and tout about what, what all they did for their community, and that's why you chose me to represent you, because I brought this money back for this project. These are the people who are in charge of the future of the state. And they have no idea what's in the budget bill they passed. They had no clue. Zizarang didn't mean to cut judges' pay, didn't mean to cut $5 millions from a technology upgrade for the state Supreme Court. It wasn't hostile toward the judicial branch of our state government. No way. I'm not saying it is. What I am saying is, and I'm saying this as somebody who's done a lot of writing and a lot of editing in my life. Nobody took a red pen and said, you made a mistake here, you made a mistake there. They waited until the last minute. They had to do every other messaging bill. They had to kill everything they didn't like. They had to push through everything they liked. They had to do all of their posturing. Fred Mills had to do what Fred Mills does best and kill a conservative bill. Everybody had to go through all that. They didn't pay attention to the budget until the very end. And at the very end of the day, with minutes to spare, the House sends a crappy budget bill to the Senate, and the Senate passes the crappy budget bill. And here we are, finding out that judges lost pay over it. And I'm willing to bet I'm... Very, 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 very certain that's not the only mistake they're going to find because nobody went back and proofread the budget document because they were in a rush to bust the spending cap. They were in a rush to pass something so they could be done and they didn't have to stay extra and they didn't have to call a special session and they could just go home and run for re-election or go home and retire because some of them are term limited. They were in a rush to bust the spending cap. They were in a rush to fund their special projects, and then they went on home. And now we have all we have these mistakes that are coming out. And again, guarantee this judicial pay thing is not going to be the only mistake that's in there. It's the one the Illuminator wants to highlight because it was a Republican spending bill, and it screwed judges in the state out of money. And it came from the House, which is the more conservative of the two chambers, even though barely given what happened in this spending bill and what happened over the course of the last week. See, 
this is one of the reasons I pay attention to the national stuff, because the national stuff we might be able to fix. There are actually conservatives in national positions, and we might be able to make changes at the national level. I've given up hope on being able to make changes at the state level. We don't have any conservatives. We have a hand we have, what, 19 conservatives? Supposed to have a supermajority, supposed to be able to have a veto-proof majority. We could do whatever we want to make the state more conservative despite having a Republican governor. But we got Paige Cortez and Clay Schecksnyder. We have a complete inability for anything of conservative value to actually get pushed across the finish line because we choose bad leaders and we allow people to change the R behind their name, um, to change the D behind their name to an R and say, I'm a Republican, I'm conservative, I should be elected, and we elect them. The other part is, it's politics. No actually decent human being, well, with the exception of a very small number, very few decent human beings want any of those jobs. They don't want to get in the middle of all that. And so the ones who are there have a pretty big ego and want what's best for them and maybe to serve their community as like a second or third, you know, reason for going up there. But we have a ton of people who serve in government who have not a conservative bone in their body, who don't look at this spending bill and say, this is a monstrosity. We need to make some changes. And even of the conservatives that were there, at no point did anybody stand up in the middle of all the other nonsense going on. Nobody stood up and said, hey, we got to do this budget thing. We can't wait until the last minute because all these people want to bust the spending cap. Everybody waited until the last minute. We got to get our messaging out. We got to spend all we want. We got to bribe the people in order to pass it. And the conservatives who were there, God bless them, but there should have been a lot more red flags. There should have been a lot more alarms sounding way before this actually became a thing. They don't know what's in the bill they passed. They have no clue. Some of them might say they have an idea of what passed. They've got no clue. They do not understand what's in the bill they passed. They do not understand anything other than we had to spend this money. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's jump to the phone lines, getting them in early. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's on the line? This is Chris. Hey, Chris, what's up? Well, you know, the legislature, by House rules, they have a 48-hour advance notice to be able to review those, those documents. Of those bills, but Cortez and them only gave them less than an hour, and the 19 real conservative people they sh- basically shouted them de- down and wouldn't hear them. I just wonder, since they did what they did to the courts, since they didn't honor their own rule of 48-hour advance, is what they passed is is actually legal and binding. That's a great question. That's a great question, Chris. I have no idea, and they don't either. That's the brilliant part about this. They have no idea what they've just done. Well, they probably figure nobody will call them on it, and you would think some hotshot Republican lawyer would file suit 
to say, no, there's no budget. Yeah. There's no budget. I wish somebody would stand up. I, I legitimately wish somebody would stand up and try. I would, too. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thank you very much for the call, okay. 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, let's go ahead and take a break. When, we've come, when we come back, we've got more, a lot more to go over for today. We've got the national stuff, the Trump indictment. Clay Higgins is making news. we got to talk about that. All of that on the way here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat, I, I, I could go on about the Louisiana legislature. I, I'm, I'm going to pass up on it for right now. Uh, instead, I want to transition over a little bit to some of the national stuff going on right now. And the Trump indictment. Uh, is still that's I mean that's the dominant story of the weekend uh, of last week of the weekend is going to continue to be going forward. He appears in court in Miami tomorrow, and here's the thing: here's here's what is kind of being missed because everybody's focusing on the nature of the documents, whether they're classified, whether he's able to class declassify, and that sort of thing. When you read the indictment. The biggest problem for Trump isn't the classified materials per se. It's the fact that a federal grand jury asked for the documents and he attempted to hide the documents from the federal grand jury. It's never the crime. It's always the cover-up. That's the issue that Trump has to tackle head-on now. And we now have more information as to where the audio recordings came from. His lawyer... Evan Cochran recorded every meeting with Trump so that he could transcribe them later. It wasn't because he was some sleeper agent for the Department of Justice or anything. He was just keeping memos between himself and his client. And apparently, and I know some of you are thinking, what about uh, what about uh, client attorney privilege? Apparently, there is an exception when it comes to the attorney-client privilege being used to cover up or further a crime that allows an exemption. And and special counsel Jack Smith was able to convince a judge that was the case, so they were able to get access to those recordings. So that's how Trump is in trouble, because they have all these, these recordings right now. When we come back... I'm going to take this break. When we come back, I'm going to not talk about the Trump indictment stuff, but let's talk about the election in general. There's some polling data out there that's very, very interesting. I also want to talk about some of the trans stuff that's out there because it's getting pretty serious and Democrats are finding themselves on the losing end of that issue. Your calls, your messages, 232-1542, when we get back here on The Joe Cunningham Show. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, there is a lot still to talk about on the national scene. I don't think I can bring myself to have much more energy to talk about uh, the state stuff. It just I'll leave that for Moon. I'm sure that he has a few things left unsaid from, I don't know, the last however many years, but especially in the last couple of weeks, given the session we've just had. I want to 
not talk about the Trump indictment stuff. I want to instead talk about something on the periphery of that, or maybe Trump is Trump's invite. The indictment is on the periphery of this news. However, you want to look at it. The Democrats, despite Trump being under investigation, under indictment, there are still a lot of problems. ABC News, Joe, Joe Biden earned a jarring approval rating of just 31%. 31%. That's not a good thing. What makes it worse for Biden is that while indicted and under multiple investigations, Donald Trump also approved a third, uh, 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 scored a 31 percent approval rating. So Joe Biden, with no investigations against him, and Donald Trump under indictment, polling at the same percent in approval rating. What's more. of independents, according to a CBS poll, 75% of independents and 42% of Democrats say Joe Biden should not run again for president. This comes on the heels of the last couple weeks where Robert Kennedy has gotten as high as like 30%. 20 to 30% in terms of support from Democrat voters. Marianne Williamson hovering around 10%. Democrats and in, in independents, but or Democrat leading independents, they want somebody else. Here's what else: It's not like they can just have him step aside and Kamala Harris go over. Emily's list announced a ten million dollar investment into propping up Kamala Harris as vice president during the 2024 election. Emily's list is going to spend millions of dollars to convince the Democrats to keep her on the ticket. She's so unpopular in Democratic circles that not too long ago, her team gave the New York Times a list of prominent Democrats and political activists who would speak favorably of her for an upcoming piece. Not a single person on that list had a nice thing to say about Kamala Harris. Apparently, it was Groundhog's Day because Pete Buttigieg came out once, made a statement about the need for infrastructure. We won't see him again for another couple months, probably. He's disappeared for the most part. Nobody that's currently in the press, in the spotlight for the Democrats in the Biden administration, nobody's really willing to step up and be that replacement. Now, Gavin Newsom is positioning himself either to take over if Joe Biden steps aside or lay the foundation for a run in 2028. Newsom is making a very hard pitch against Ron DeSantis, not Donald Trump. Newsom either thinks that DeSantis is going to beat Trump in the primary or that Trump's legal issues are going to take him out of the race entirely. Newsom is positioning himself as a stark contrast for progressives against Ron DeSantis. There's a lot going on here, and as much as the media wants to focus on the Republicans and their infighting and their primary and how Donald Trump is in all this legal trouble, 
behind the scenes, in news reports that aren't top of the fold, the Democrats have a lot of warning signs against them, too. It's bad for them. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's jump to the phone lines. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's on the line? Uh, hello? Hi, this is the Joe Cunningham Show. Okay, let me turn you down just a second. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, before you put this legislature in the rearview mirror, there's one sad thing to report on it. Uh, they had an opportunity to protect the uh, Louisiana offshore fishing industry and, and uh, the uh, claim of being sportsman's paradise once again for the third time. They refused to pass any kind of regulation on the, uh, the insanely um, savage um, pogey boat fishing. Uh, it, no regulations at all in the state of Louisiana. Complete prohibition of first names in Florida. None and, and, and serious regulations in the coastal states. And this this legislature just walked away from it once again for the third time. And it's another year, another billion pounds of pogey out of our Gulf of Mexico. I think that needs to be noted. You're right. For and this legislature and it's we and, and I've heard that the governor vowed to veto anything that they did pass. So, you know, for a Democrat that being this flamp, this this cavalier about the uh, environment certainly wouldn't position him very well to be the darling of the Democrat Party when he's retired. Well, none of those folks in Baton Rouge are going to care about anything that doesn't directly benefit them. I mean, this this budget was all about what they could take home to either run for reelection on or to tout as part of their great record of representing their people by bringing all these projects back. That an, an issue like that is not something that's going to going to they're 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 not going to raise any attention. Which is sad because we do need to look at these sorts of issues in the Gulf, things off our coast, and they don't care about that near enough. Oh, of course not. It's just another. It's just another version of Huey Long's little box. Remember the little box? Everybody gets to get put, put a little bit of something in. The, it's the same thing. It's it's their own personal little boxes. They take it home and they say, "Look what I got for you, constituents. Vote for me, and I can go back and cut the fat hog in Baton Rouge." Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly what it is. And there's forty-two billion dollars that, and none of it's addressing any of those key issues to the state. No, and this is a simple one. All you got to do is say, keep a mile offshore and say, and 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 uh, retain a, a certain a certain limit. But that the entire pogey boat catch, or eighty percent of it, comes from Louisiana waters, and that that's just that's just just absolutely outrageous. That these people have no more sense than to realize that it's a win-win situation. It would be a win-win for Omega Protein because they would get to perpetuate their industry. Because once mm-hmm. once this thing is fished out completely in Louisiana, they have no place to go. Florida, Texas, and Mississippi, and Alabama say, oh, don't come here. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Thank so, you very much. Uh, thanks. Keep, keep, keep the heat on this. Would you please keep the heat on this throughout the summer and as the next legislature comes into play? All right. Will do. Thank right. you. Thank you very much. Let's go back to the phone lines. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's on the line? Hey, Joe, it's me, Richard. Hey, Richard, what you got? Well, look, before we get off that boat that that young lady's on, I am on board with her. The reason, Joe, is um, I'm very familiar with the saltwater industry, and the pogey is the food chain 
of all the other fish, especially red snapper and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they, all right, when we decrease in, say, say red snapper, what they do, they cut our season shorter, mm-hmm. and they cut the limit. What they did on the pogey, because I know someone that flies pogey aircraft, and what they did, they they increased the amount of time because there was less pogey. Wow. And so they gave them more time because they weren't catching. Well, that's just telling them that they're now, they, when they run out of money, that's the bad part. When they run out of basically enough pogey and it's so bad, they'll shut the pogey plant down and nature will take its That's the only hope we have. Yeah. As long as the money's there, they're going to keep on doing it. But it's the food chain, so why they cutting out the red snapper? And then with that, and I'm clothing with this thing, They and then they protecting the sharks. Mm-hmm. They went sharks used to be you keep them at 24 inches black tip. Now it's like 48 inches. I don't I don't know if anybody keeps a 48 inch shark, Harley. So yeah, Joe, we we need to pray for our wildlife and fisheries. Oh, absolutely. Thank you very much, uh, Richard. You, Appreciate it. All right, two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to be part of the conversation. Uh, before we take this next break, I I do want to get back on the national real quick because there's something else brewing here. There's something else brewing that I want to get to because it, it's so it, it's so going to play a part of this. A lot of people are really, really tired of the culture war stuff. A lot of the loud voices are out there saying, just move beyond that, move beyond that. We don't care. We need to focus on the issues of the country. Okay, the left wants you to stop focusing on the culture war stuff. They say it's a distraction. They say it's bigotry and, and all this anti-LGBT stuff. Some people on the right are saying we got to talk about the financial issues. We got to talk about the economy. We got to talk about jobs. We got to. There's something you need to know. A Gallup poll: sixty-nine percent of Americans believe trans athletes should only compete on teams that match their birth gender. At a Bike race in North Carolina. A trans woman dominated all the the women's race in the, I think it was the Belgian Waffle Classic. It is like this, this person, this biological male is a trans woman. Ran this race. My buddy Mike Miller has this up at Red State. So, this person won the Belgian Waffle Ride, North Carolina. 27-year-old Austin Killips, who identifies as a woman, led the tour from the outset without an actual woman even coming close to taking the lead, except for a brief moment when he was, when, uh, when Killips was passed at the tour's midpoint. Killips ultimately blew past the female rider, never looked back, and the outcome was never in doubt. There is a biological advantage the left doesn't want the, the trans advocates, the left, they do not want to admit it. They want to say the science isn't settled on it. 
there is a biological advantage when a fully developed biological male says they are a trans woman and competes against other biological women. Killips was nowhere near where the top man in the race was in terms of time, but was way ahead of all biological women. It's another Leah Thomas situation. Leah Thomas was, prior to becoming a woman, a mid-level swimmer at best. But because of inherent biological differences and only needing to say, I've been in transition for a year, and that being it, all of a sudden, Leah Thomas gets to compete as a woman, blows out all other biological women in the race. 69% of Americans, not of Republicans, not of independents, 69% of Americans say that trans athletes should compete in in the league of their biological gender. That's a big deal. You have men and women who don't want to have to watch their biological female daughters compete against a male in a women's sporting event. You have men who don't want their daughters to share, to be exposed to biological men in women's uh, restrooms and dressing rooms. Not because they're anti-trans, but because they are trying to protect their daughters. Because we have seen stories that come out about men who abuse that privilege, I guess you could call it. Americans are growing very tired of being bullied by the trans movement. Americans are tired of being told that they are bigots and that they are transphobes Because there are unfair biological advantages to a biological male competing in a women's event. That is going to hurt. The Republicans, I mean, the Democrats are fully on board, fully all out pro-trans on all of this. Meanwhile, the NHS, the National Health Agency in Britain said no, no more Pediatric sex change. No more pediatric hormone replacement. Why? Because it is scientifically questionable at best. And the American medical community is all on board with something that you cannot medically, scientifically prove is actually helpful and you cannot prove doesn't hurt kids. And the Democrats are all on board and they are not aware of the backlash that's going to come from it. 232-1542, let's take a break. We'll be back to wrap up the show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, shout out to Boomer on the KPL app chat Notes, as far as the trans athlete issue goes, put an asterisk next to their names and their records. Absolutely right. And that's at the bare minimum. There's got to be something done. Now, before we go, I do want to mention, I want to go back to the Trump indictment stuff because Trump is not taking it very well. 
he's getting a little more desperate in his attacks on Ron DeSantis. And there's a Daily Mail piece out that says a lot of viewers who watched the the latest Trump rally said he looked kind of low energy, like this is all sapping a lot of his energy. But the, the attacks on DeSantis, and in particular this one attack he's launched today against Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, pretty solid conservative Stitt, but he endorsed Ron DeSantis over the weekend. Donald Trump on True Social uh, sent out the message, Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, who I didn't know very well, called me before his last election to say he was in big trouble and very much needed my endorsement. I love Oklahoma and won 76 out of 76 districts, something that never happened before Ronald Reagan was next for 56. Anyway, I gave him my endorsement. He immediately went way up and won. Now, despite the fact that Ron DeSanctimonious is losing to Biden and me, Stitt just endorsed him. Wow. He disliked, quote, the Indians and my great Senate pick. Donald Trump is calling a Republican a racist for endorsing Ron DeSantis. That's what you need to understand here. Trump's not taking all of this very well. And he really needs to get back on a message and, and really begin to going after, to go after the Democrats and, and offer his plan for the future of the country. Because these attacks aren't going to sit well with most Republicans. All right, you guys have a great day. I'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email Joe at RedState.com. Talk to you guys again real soon. Shannon is off sides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.